Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Under Consultation, a podcast guide through the UK video game shows that aired in the aftermath of Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Cohen, and I'm just a bandwagon jumping piece of shit that reads some piece of shit magazines and watches some piece of shit TV shows. And feeling up the boobs of Odo from Deep Space Nine, I am Ash Versus. This episode of Consulvania aired around the 1st of July 2005. Medal of Honor European Assault is top of the video game charts. Crazy Frog is top of the pops. Yeah, you heard me correctly. And Batman Begins is top of the UK box office. Tell us, Mr. Wayne. parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is a legend. Now, when we found the YouTube video for this, the comment or the description even said beginning of August. And when I looked at beginning of August, uh, we had James Blunt, You're Beautiful, and the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I'm just like, hmm. And then, and then looking around the Romuk forums and reading some of the feedback this episode got when it re- was released, I saw it was the 1st of July. And I'm like, amazing, great. Then I looked up what the number ones were. Shit. That first one is a fan upload of it that gets it wrong. Because I thought the same thing. Because I was like, August, crikey, I don't remember it being August. Because I remember you and I talking about it being July. Then I went to the, the fan of the Consulvania upload of it, and it literally says, originally uploaded 
around about the 1st of July. And most of the sort of like detailing stuff that on Wikipedia says started in July. So it's like a rough guesstimate of 1st of July. So we get a movie that we're going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about the game of it later. Batman Begins, which I think is actually the most underrated of the Nolan trilogy, because I think it often gets overlooked for The Dark Knight. For my money, it's the best of the three. It's also, and we kind of discussed this a little bit over the past week, because I finally got around to watching The Batman. Yeah, Matt Reeves is The Batman. Yeah, and I love it, because it's the world's greatest detective, and guess what, Luke? He's doing detective stuff. Oh, he's doing detective shit all over the place, and I love it for that. Batman begins also kind of picks up on some of those elements in that he is a crime fighter. He does have a rogues gallery of villains, a lot of whom have powers or special abilities, but he's just one man. He's just an ordinary man. A bit crazy and with a lot of money, but he's an ordinary man. We're just normal men. The same in Batman Begins, the same in The Batman. And that's why I like that Batman Begins is essentially, while credited as a superhero film, it's a crime movie. Same with The Dark Knight. I'd say it's only with The Dark Knight Rises where we actually get a bit superhero. Like, it, like in tone. Bomb. It's got a big bomb and it's got a oh, do the muffly voice that talks like this. I mean, admittedly there is thing with Ra's al Ghul and... There's more like supernatural stuff, I suppose. I mean, there's a bit of supernatural stuff in Batman Begins, but it's, it's funny like, it's this is my favourite of the three. But I've, I've only seen it the once. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. I've only seen it the once, and it was this week of 2005. I know I had it on DVD, so I would have seen it more than once. I know that uh, The Dark Knight I got on Blu-ray. It was one of the first Blu-rays I got, and so I watched the shit out of that because it's like, look at the high definitions. Aren't they pretty? But I do want to go back and watch this movie again because... Amazing cast, love him or hate him, Christian Bale makes a good Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Michael Caine is Michael Caine, even if he can't figure out emails, more on that later. Liam Neeson has a special set of skills, they're fully on display in this movie. Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, who was going to be Batman at one point, which was a fucking terrible idea, far better as the Scarecrow. Even Rutger Hauer's in it. Yeah, Katie Holmes here for her one appearance. She gets recast uh, in The Dark Knight and then murdered. Spoilers for The Dark Knight. So kind of almost a Jennifer from Back to the Future, but with a way darker twist. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't just spend most of the movie asleep. Technically, no. Well, no, I suppose no, she just she... <laughs> sleeps in a grave instead, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's the long sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Batman Begins for me, like, I, as I said, I, I've only seen it the once, but it's the movie I remember of the trilogy liking the most because I've got, I've got my, not issues with The Dark Knight. I think The Dark Knight's a very good movie. I've seen it more times than I've seen uh, Batman Begins. I remember coming out of Batman Begins being like, that's a really good Batman movie, considering the, the last two Batman movies we had previous to that were Forever and, and Robin. But the thing I find most fascinating about Batman Begins going back and looking at now is how many other projects it killed. I mean, really, it, it kind of started out uh, life as a, a jumping off point from the failed World's Finest movie that uh, Wolfgang Peterson was trying to do in the early 2000s, which was really being done because 
you know, Superman movies had failed in the 80s and then Batman movies had failed in the late 90s. So their option <laughs> with that was just like, well, let's put them together and that'll, that'll fix all the problems. They'll cancel each other out. <laughs> exactly. The badness will come together. And, you know, all the failed projects in the 90s of Superman lives and stuff. Check out any Kevin Smith podcast where he'll tell you about those projects. So we, they had all of this and then World's Finest kind of fell apart and Christopher Nolan came in and then did this. But there was still this idea of doing a World's Finest movie. And they were then going to relaunch Superman, which they were doing with Brandon Routh. And then they had the idea of, well, we'll still do World's Finest. It will just now be Christian Bale and it'll be Brandon Routh. But then, like, Bale's like, I don't really want to do that sort of thing. And Nolan was like, no, I think we should just do my thing instead. And then The Dark Knight came out and was this monster hit, whereas Superman Returns was not. And so it was like, right, let's sack off that completely and let's just go with this instead. While at the same time, George Miller's doing his version of Justice League. He's, he's doing Justice League Mortal, the what-if movie that it could have been. Which, fun fact, everyone, the plot of that movie is around fast food chains. That is the central plot and thesis of Justice League Mortal is fast food chains and a fast food chain trying to get the rights and likenesses of the Justice League. Looking at Batman Begins, expectations for this were so low. So low. They were like, well, we might make our money back on the Chinese market if we're lucky. Batman's a dead property at this point. Yeah. There's a reason George Clooney apologises. Don't think he needs to anymore. Really don't think he needs to because in retrospect, and I'm not saying it's a good film, so don't get too excited, far worse things were done with the Batman property since with far better actors. Yeah. But this came out... And they were probably thinking, if we're lucky, we might, we might get 100, 150 million. We might make most of it back on DVD or HBO or similar. $371.9 million worldwide, baby. Yeah, and it only gets more when you get to The Dark Knight, which makes loads and loads and loads of money. And that success kills off Justice League Mortal and the failures of Green Lantern kill off any potential franchise popularity of that so dc was like well let's just put all of our eggs in this batman shaped basket because it's really the only thing that's making us money these days and we'll figure out what we'll do after the dark knight trilogy finishes and at the same time the dark knight trilogy is coming to an end the mcu has grown and blossomed and made a billion dollars with the Avengers. So DC were like, we need to finish this thing quickly and get started on our one because that's actually the way forward is to do a, D is to a DC's version of the MCU. And it failed for 10 plus years and they're now finally stopping that. And, well, I say they're finally stopping it. They're doing their like eighth reset on that. And now this is the direction we're going to do the DCU. See, people complain that a lot of superhero movies aren't accurate enough to the comic books. The sheer amount of reboots, relaunches and Heroes Reborn that both Marvel and DC to a degree have done, although mostly at this point, mostly DC, is very accurate to the comics. I look forward to your comments and emails. Yeah, it'd be, it's our brand new New 52. <laughs> and if you didn't like that New 52, don't worry, there'll be another New 52 at some point soon. Or hey, what about this Superman in cherry and blue raspberry flavour? <laughs> hey, you don't like this Batman? Don't worry, we've got eight other Batman comics we're running concurrently with it. I still think we are almost at the perfect time of cultural awareness of Batman you don't need an origin story. Like, I think the Batman is about as close as you need to get to it, which is you show him brooding around a bit and being a bit shit at being a human being. And then he just gets on with being Batman. 
now is the great time to cast a slightly older, slightly more run-down Batman, like, ooh, I don't know, Ben Affleck, and do the full Nightfall storyline. Have Bane, a proper Bane turn up, break the Batman, and that's your trilogy. At this point in time, we're going to be getting a new Batman for the Justice League side of DCU, while Matt Reeves gets to continue just whatever he's doing with the Batman, and... Todd Phillips gets to do whatever he's doing with his Joker movies that also has a Bruce Wayne in it. For all the criticisms levied against Marvel and Disney, and there are many and they are justified, woof. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit of a mess, and I think James Gunn is will, will do his best, but I can't wait for the first couple of movies to not make as much money as Zaslav wants, and then they're also taken off when we get our next reboot, our new, new 52 approach. Let's talk about Crazy Frog. What's going on? on. I remember vividly the adverts. Yeah. And being on TV late at night, you know, get the ringtone. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this ringtone has become really popular. Do you know what we should do? Release a song of it. Do you know what else we should do? Release a video game of it. Do you know what else we should do? Port that video game to loads of different console systems. I am at this point here, July of 2005, very close now to starting my job at GameStation. And I was working at GameStation when the Crazy Frog games came out and thinking, wow, we're we're really stretching this ringtone beyond the realms of what I thought it would do. And the thing that upsets me the most about this song, I mean, I remember the adverts and I remember just, I I remember hitting mute button (laughs) when this shit came on, is they also ruin an absolute banger of a track. It is embarrassing that this song is essentially credited to Axel F. It's Crazy Frog by Crazy Frog, but it's also Crazy Frog brackets featuring Axel F. And it also actually includes versions of another remix of Axel F from 2003 that sampled What's Going On. So there's multiple layers, and yet still Crazy Frog gets the biggest credit on the single, but the least actual contribution to the remix and for a whole generation, and this is like a goddamn knife to the heart, for a whole generation, this is how they discovered Harold Faltermeyer's absolute synth 80s classic. Yeah. it's oh They will never know the joy of sticking bananas in tailpipes, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> this was, a, a, I'm not going to say a worldwide phenomenon, but certainly a British phenomenon of a track it was everywhere and like for every day for five times a day you would see this advert and you were flicking through music channels boy howdy were you gonna see this advert and you're right it was really the race for the mute button so you didn't have to hear ring 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 and the 
every time I think of this song, all I think of is the gag they do about this in the in-betweeners when Jay thinks it's a really funny impression to do and they just stand there in stunned silence as he just does it and continues to do it. And the longer he does it, the worse it gets and the funnier it becomes. Oi, did you get us any beers? Hi, Jay. Listen, if you really want to laugh, you should come and chat with me. I'm about 50 times funnier than him. See for real? Progressively, yes. I'm totally for real. Everyone knows I'm funnier. Even you'd say so, wouldn't you, Will? Uh, well, no, not really. All right then, funny boy. Make me laugh without undressing. Crazy frog. Okay. Uh, if Will ever stops being funny, I'll let you know. Come on, you. It's one of those jokes that starts out not funny, but then you run it into the ground until it comes out the other side. You tunnel through the earth. Yeah. This song did actually not do terribly in Europe. It's, it's very European. <laughs> yeah. It reached number one in Switzerland. It, it failed to make the top 20, actually, but it did get to number one in Switzerland. It also reached number one in Ireland, Belgium, Denmark, France, New Zealand, so going outside Europe there, Norway, Ukraine, Spain, Sweden, Australia, and it reached number 18 in Russia. Oh, well, Russians have clearly got some sense about them. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. We made it three years, and I think you've just got us cancelled. <laughs> Like, you know, they heard that. It was like, I mean, if you put this to the Tetris theme song, then maybe it would be a different story. But uh, Axel F, no, we're taking that off. That's that's number 18 material. They're just not fans of Eddie Murphy. That's what it is. <laughs> or bananas and tailpipes. <laughs> no, if you have any idea how much a banana costs in Russia. But anyway, let's quickly look at the TV news uh, from around this period of time. On June 26th, we had the final episode of Balamori airing. Shut a good innings. Woo. On July 1st, the final episode of Countdown, hosted by Richard Whiteley, was aired because he passed away on that same day that Balamori had its final episodes. Hello, Countdowners. Uh, I know we're all in a state of shock um, about the very sad news about Richard. And, uh, you know, it's really odd to think that the man who's been here the mayor in the chair for 23 years uh, won't be here anymore um, and uh, we miss him and we know that you miss him because you've sent us lots and lots of messages thousands of messages from around the world and we thank you for that and uh, please keep them coming uh, they mean a lot to his family and to us and uh, the thing about Richard, oh, well, there are many things about Richard, but uh, he uh, finished recording Countdown in the final of our 53rd series. And um, there are still five shows uh, with the boss in the chair that you haven't seen. And um, we know he would want you to see them. In fact, he would be very upset if you didn't see them <laughs> so um please enjoy them and please laugh at his jokes um enjoy this countdown week please uh remember him as we remember him and um 
the clock stopped too soon. The only reason I brought this up, because this is timely for when you and I are recording this podcast, Glastonbury happens between June 27th and 29th, featuring the headline acts David Gray, R.E.M., Primal Scream, Morchiba, The Flaming Lips, Radiohead, Super Furry Animals, Lamb, Macy Gray, Feeder, Moby Doves, and Dominic Diamond's favourite band, The Manic Street Preachers. Who were also there this year and performed a blinding little 45-60 minute set. Is that one of the ones that's on iPlayer? Yes, it is. Good. Well worth checking out. The only the only sets I've actually checked out so far, I watched Royal Bloods and I watched The Foo Fighters, and I watched both of those while I was editing the When Games Attack episode. You should also definitely listen to don't need to watch it visuals are cool but i'm not sure it's on iplayer the fat boy slim set oh yeah oh it's a banger it's a it's a really really fun set but an important bit of news that takes place the day after this episode was released <gasps> july 2nd hyde park Live 8. Yeah, I was going to say, that was one of the ones I was going to add in. It's Music Festival of Plenty at this point. I was there. Oh, I was right. in the ground because, one, I wanted to be there because it was going to be a hell of an event for a good cause. It didn't work, but never mind. It, didn't, it, was, it was a hell of an event for a good cause. But also, Luke, which band reformed for one night only for that gig? Which band reformed one night only for that gig? It's Pink Floyd. All oh, right. <laughs> they stopped throwing lawsuits at each other for one night and they played four or five songs. I cried my eyes out because there's a band I never thought I would get to see in any configuration. But I did then. It was a very, very long day. It was full of a lot of drunk people, a lot of sunstroke. I actually did get mulled, so, like overheating at some point and had to lie down under an umbrella in the middle of Hyde Park. But other than Pink Floyd and other than McCartney, one of my key moments is a bunch of proper football shirt wearing lads, 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 going, oh, Robbie Williams is next. Oh, God, Robbie Williams. You, we should go to the loo. Do you want to get the drinks in? Uh, we'll go to the loo, then we'll come and join you in the queue for the drinks. 30 seconds later, they are pogoing like mad to let me entertain you. 10 minutes later, they are drunkenly singing Angels. They never went to the loo. They never went for their drinks. That is the power of Williams. That is the power of Williams. Can I just say, this is our first regular episode recording in person for two, three years at this point? Yeah, I suppose, because we did episode uh, 10 of series seven, to the, the, the final episode of Games Master we did in person. But that was a special episode because we, you know, we messed around a little bit and we went for a bit of a walk and went back to our original location. Right now, we are sat in Workplace Redacted with microphones in front of us sat opposite each other. I miss this, man. It's much easier this way. It's not even easier. It's just, it's more fun. It is more fun this way Like, like well. It's not that recording with you is oh, online isn't fun, and I'm sure we'll end up doing it again. This there's, is just more fun. There's technical problems abound. Like, I think when, when you're recording online, there's always that thing in the back of your head of being like, well, how long is this record going to go before something goes awry? Or how long is this going to go before we have some internet issues? Really, our only worry here is just looking over and making sure Adobe Audition is still recording. And uh, it's in my line of sight, so I can see it yeah. at all times. So, yeah, so welcome to our first proper in-person episode. Hopefully many more of them will be like this. Yeah, that's what we're hoping to do, like, as we sort of round off our other 200 episodes that we're looking to aim to, uh, look to, aim to get and when we get into back into the Games Master reboot and stuff. This should all be relatively much in person from now on. It's a good, it's a good way for us to end off the way that, end off this podcast the way that we started it. Full circle. Full circle and all of that. Uh, so let's talk about Consolvania then. And this is 
so my knowledge of Consylvania is kind of a nebulous thing. You go through the Wikipedia page for it, which is very lovingly written up by fans of the show in, in, in quite some detail with zero sources provided. But it's kind of just sort of, it's lovely and it's hyperlinked and it's detailed and it's quite easy to get some research and stuff done. But one of the things that it talks about is that the, uh, its popularity was spread via word of mouth. And that is how I heard of the show, was by people talking about it. Whether that's me working at GameStation and people talking about it, or me going around to friends' houses while I was at University in Portsmouth and people talking about it and be like, oh, have you heard of this thing, Consylvania? Here's some bits and bobs to talk about. But by the time that I kind of saw it, which was, you know, a couple of years after, you know, these episodes are dead, it, that was around the rise of the YouTubers, people like angry joe and the angry video game nerd uh, and um or happy video game nerd with, with derek and stuff that derek was doing nostalgia critic and all that sort of stuff so it kind of got lumped in with those so it's 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 easy then not to realize actually they were way ahead of their time because they were doing this in a pre-youtube world and they were just doing this via, uh, you know, kind of like the old days of doing video games. They were doing this via shareware, more or less. Yeah, uh, torrents, direct downloads. Uh, if you if you go and you look at the Consolvania thread on Rollmuck, a forum that, along with NTSC UK, was very instrumental in the early days. Uh, Rollmuck actually gave it its name before they started filming, and you can um, see people going, "Well, I've joined the torrent." I've only got 13 days <laughs> until I get to watch this first episode of series two. I have been going back and forth because I know when we talked to Rab and I talked a little bit about this then, I can't remember if it made the edit, but I think there is one person who actually will listen to this podcast who is responsible for me seeing Consolvania and a whole bunch of stuff, including chewing the fat and other various products from north of the border. And that's Gordon. Uh, he's one of our Patreons as well. And he uh, showed me Consolvania, uh, Chewing the Fat, Falsetto Sock Puppet Theatre, all that stuff. And I cannot thank him enough because watching this episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And when I made my first pass of notes, do you know what the most difficult thing was? What's that? Not just rolling on to episode two. Yeah. I, I It started playing and I'm like, I'm settled in for this. I don't need to make notes. But then I'm it's, like, no, I need to go back and do a second pass. Because it's all available now. Like, Consolvania is still running to this day. They do it behind the, the Patreon paywall. But they've got all of the old episodes up on an official YouTube channel, very nicely displayed in each series and stuff. And so it was quite easy for us to be able to go pick an episode. We were going to pick one of the ones from series one. But that was one of the, you know, they had their problems because they were making this on their own, you know, in 2004 with sort of like bad mics and stuff. Right, so this is the Shenmue drinking game. The way you need to do this is you need some booze, obviously, and you need some people in Shenmue, right? Now, I'm sitting here with some booze, and you've got to drink your booze every time Ryo Hazuki says, I see. Which is a lot. One of the things I really enjoyed about my watch through of this is I've said this a couple of times on the podcast, but Ultimate Gamer is the show that my production company that I work for 
would have made five years ago if a TV channel approached us to say, can you make us a TV show? Because we had a green screen set up and we could have done that. And we would that's exactly the show that we would have made. Or we would have made something that was like Gamepad. That's the shows that we would have made. This is the show I would have wanted to make in the mid to late 2000s because I loved this sort of shit. Like I, I really fell into, you know, angry video game nerd and nostalgia critic. I know he's not a popular person to like these days, but there was a period of time when we did like Doug Walker, Angry Joe, and and all those sort of like YouTube guys and, they were, and girls. And it was this like big content creator thing. Phalus is someone that I, I really enjoyed. And I, these are the content video bits that I would have wanted to make. And it reminded me a lot of the videos that me and my friends used to make when we were teenagers, because I was a young teen with, uh, with the rise of CKY and Jackass. So that's what we did. We got ourselves a camera. We went and did skateboards, uh, skateboarding stuff and skateboarding stunts and st- jumping off things, g- you know, jumping off of Grundons, shopping carts into the side of you know, curbs and this and the other. So this is the sort of show that me and my friends would have made if we were actually talented enough to have made a show like this. So I had a real good like pang of nostalgia because it reminded me of the home videos that me and my friends used to make and edit together, which were absolute shite and terrible. But in our head, this is the sort of show that we thought it would look like because this is good. Ours was naff. This is the sort of show I want to make today Maybe some slightly different humour. We'll get to that later. But I just love the freeness of it. Like like the fact that they have a structure in their head. They have characters. They have bits they want to do. They have things they want to do to put it together. There are some really hilariously funny bits in this. For every bit that makes me wince or is just aged badly, there are some other bits that really, really hold up. And you can see the uh the 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 wit the fire the passion of creation of creating things of putting things out there of putting himself out there with this of coming up with characters of doing bits of going out there of going out onto the streets of glasgow with a microphone wearing a kind of russian bearskin hat type dealio and and a braver man than i yeah he he makes some comments in this that uh, would not fly today I mean, there are some jokes in this, but particularly in those like the legend stuff that yeah really would not fly today. And they retired the character after this, this series episode <laughs> because they were like, oh, I don't like doing it, going out to the public and just like doing unsuspecting things to the public. It, it's not their brand of humor. The passion, though, I think is is kind of key to this, though. I've had a good laugh at some of the episodes that we have done thus far when I watched them through, particularly when Games Attack uh, and Thumb Bandits. This episode, this video particularly the Batman Begins review, is the most and loudest I have laughed at an episode that we have done post-Games Master. And I watched these on a train, but I couldn't help myself with like actual burst out of laughter because some of the, uh, the things that Rab says in his delivery are so great. You know, clips like this that you'll hear later on if you haven't seen the episode. It's why people were dead excited for him to be announced as the new host of Games Master when he was unveiled. Because it was, I think we all had a, oh, it will be a this sort of person, it will be a this sort of person. And no, they went with Rab. They went with someone who is just a passionate video game guy who has got a pedigree of doing video game content for 15 or so years. And it's a fan's choice. It wouldn't have been a network's choice. This was like it felt like a fan's choice to put Rab as the the main host of that show. And also 
you know, to try and persuade the higher ups that he was the right choice. He's also got his pedigree of script writing, of working in the broader comedy area. Also, this show led to Video Gaiden on the BBC, which went for a series of shorts and also longer episodes later on. So there is kind of an, a sell there of like, look, this guy's not just some guy on the internet that like records videos about video games. He's done it for the BBC. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this, which is nothing to do with video games. Didn't make him necessarily a safe hand, but it definitely made him someone that they could go, okay, I can see the logic behind putting him on a project that, well, I don't know that Channel 4 considered it prestige. They definitely considered it to be worth meta money. They, they put some money behind it and, and got a good sponsorship deal out the back of it. But yeah, I, I think Rab's passion sort of sails through uh, through this, both him and Ryan as well. And they're, they're, they're very funny. I love how cheap it is. I love how free it is. You, you said the word free earlier, and I completely agree because... You know they talk about this on the in the Wikipedia, the, the fan written Wikipedia that I, that I adored, and about how bits and thumb bandits were able to swear. Dominic Diamond even referenced this in that Edge article that we were talking about last week. He was talking about how the you know Games Master wasn't able to swear, and I would have loved to have been able to swear if we would have done the the late night version of it. And they got to do a little bit of it in When Games Attack, but bits and thumb bandits were able to swear, and that's one thing the video game shows. But this has got no restrictions on it whatsoever because it's not on a network. It's not being broadcast anywhere. It's being shared around by fans and being spread by word of mouth. So we can have John Wayne Gacy as a character and we can have Hitler as a character and we can just freely use licensed music that's oh, actually that's, that's not licensed, but it's that early days of the internet where it's like, well, I credited you in the credits. What more do you want? It's I, like ECW, hardcore TV. <laughs> I said who you were. I, I was, I'm promoting you. And the argument that we, you know, that then leads into all the arguments of fair use and all of this. It's a free show that is just, this is everything that they want to do on screen with no restrictions. And I love it for that. I am astounded we're able to watch this on YouTube <laughs> because some of the jokes, some of the characters and a lot of the music. But hey, it's there. We found it. You'll be able to find it. Also, the Patreon's up there. All the episodes are available. You should check it out. Like genuinely, I, I've kind of reached a point where I'm thinking, okay, when I get to this point, like like in the next month or so where our load will lighten a little bit, a few other things will change. I'm like, I'm going to get signed up to that Patreon because I can start watching then. I thought the same thing. Like when I was doing, you know, putting together my research notes and stuff today, I was like, I'm just going to go, go to the Patreon. And I was like, ah, six bucks. And I was like, man, there's a video every month as well. It's probably worth it, you know. I, I, would, I would for sure sign up for the the, the Consolvania Patreon. And, and I may do. Now, if you haven't gone and found the episode, if you don't know the show, and especially if you are not a UK listener, this show is unapologetically local to Glasgow. If you will struggle at times to understand the, for want of a better phrase, Glaswegian patois that, that comes out. Thankfully, I grew up around enough Scottish people. I watched enough Scottish television. I was a big fan of Rabsy Nesbitt. I got it all. There are some bits in here where you will rewind and re-listen and maybe then have to Google it. Apologies for what you may find. But that was something they noticed when this first came out, because, of course, a lot of the stuff was distributed by the website or links to torrent files or this, that or the other. 
So they saw where the connections were coming from. And it wasn't just Scotland. It wasn't just the UK. It wasn't even just Europe. It was people all over the world getting into this show. People who would sit there and go, yeah, I don't understand half of what you're saying, but I like it. Because it's, it's two things here. It's the very thick Glaswegian accent, unapologetically thick Glaswegian accent that they're not hiding from. And two, not always best recorded sounds. And when those two meet each other, it makes it very difficult to understand if you are not, if you're not used to hearing this sort of dialect. The last two bits I wanted to make note of before we get into this, it's only because I feel like this is, it perfectly sums up Consolvania. If you, if you know nothing about the show or if you've only heard it because Rab was announced, or Rab was rather, the host of the Games Master reboot. And one of those is that Rab is effectively referenced in Grand Theft Auto 4 because one of the addiction levels uh, in the statistic view is, quote, bummed in the gob. And this is because he was put on national television to talk about another rock star product, Manhunt, which was very controversial. Go Google it. You'll probably be able to find the clip of Rab out there. Okay, Robert uh, Florence, now you, you uh, review games. Where, where yes, does Manhunt come in the spectrum of, of, of video games? Well, don't get me wrong. Manhunt is a very violent game. I mean, it's a game that features um, people getting bludgeoned to death, people getting bombed at the goal, people getting garroted. People, it's, it's a nasty game. And he was, talked, he was put on there to talk about censorship in video games, yada, yada, yada. Nope, he just used it as an excuse to get the phrase bombed in the gob on national television. Dared to say it, and so he did. And that is then referenced within Grand Theft Auto 4. But the thing that, but the one that jumped out to me when reading the Wikipedia page for Consolvania as a perfect distillation of Consolvania and its brand of humor is they acquired the movie rights to Jeff Minter's Hover Bother to turn that into a movie. And yet we're still here waiting. Here's the thing is that I'm, I'm, you know, but perhaps behind the scenes stuff, I might be doing a, another edition of the book. And if that is the case, I may just reach out to Rab and just say, like, is there a story here? And if there is, would you like to tell it for a book? Good morning and welcome. Well, we'd like to add one more number to the mix. And that number is two. So we're going to assume all these clips are here out of fair use, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but this is like immediately from the start, I'm like, this is my brand of like YouTube. And I, I, I'm going to use the term YouTube. I know it's not technically correct, but I feel like it's become like a catch-all term that you can use. I know it predates a lot of that, but you can use the term YouTube to say the sort of brand and style of video that this is. It's almost like what Matthew does with Botchamania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that with style. less takedowns. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's that brand of of quote unquote YouTube humor that, you know, they were doing before YouTube humor was a thing. Because what we have here is Nintendo's E3 press conference from 2005, but on the big screen is clips of Consolvania. That is the gag, everyone. It's a good gag. It is. Because this is Reggie. I mean, this is early doors, Reggie. Was 2004 was his first kind of big E3 moment. Yeah. And he's big and he's brash. And weirdly, I've actually got his audiobook, which he reads oh, cool. on, my, on my phone, ready to listen to. I had a bunch of uh, Audible credits where Audible was like, these are going to expire soon. You better use them. And I'm like, oh, okay, dad. <laughs> it's Reggie in 2005 talking about the number two. So first of all, poo joke. But what Reggie was actually referring to 
was, of course, Consolvania Series 2, and definitely not the 2 billion games that Nintendo had sold, which they considered a good start. <laughs> very, very quick note, because we do come back to the 2005 press conference a couple of times, none of it in the actual real context it was given. It was a pretty big year for them because the DS was already out there, the Game Boy Advance Micro appeared this year, and people got their first look at the revolution. I was going to say, we talked about this when we did the uh, Ultimate Gamer episode, because we were talking about Sony unveiling the PSP at the 2004 E3, and everyone were like, oh man, Sony's going to absolutely murder Nintendo when it comes to the handheld market, and Nintendo were caught with their pants down. So they came to the 2005 E3 all guns blazing. I mean, they, they showed the case for the revolution there and they showed some bits but people actually got to play on it and here was this device that was diminutive it just sat under the tv and you look at the 360 you look at where the ps3 i mean particularly the original ps3 which is both the same size weight shape and heat output of a george foreman grill and there's this little box that just sits there and does all these wonderful things. And it was this entire kind of ethos that came from E3 and came from the revolution, then the Wii, is it's not what games you're playing, it's how you're playing them. I mean, I was there for the, the launch of it, working at GameStation, and that thing did well. For, for all of it, the shovelware problems that it did have, and boy, how did it have some shovelware problems, I think it is a real golden era for Nintendo because the DS is doing so great. And then just shortly after that, you have the DS Lite there as well. And then it's the Wii. All of a sudden, Nintendo became the powerhouse they were in the 80s all over again. And while they weren't competing with Sony and Microsoft in graphical, uh, you know, the, the same graphic level, they were putting out some of the most fun games to play. And most of that was because of the way you were playing it. I loved my DS absolutely played the shit out of my ds got a real pang of nostalgia actually because later on in this episode uh the, the wee lass has a ds in her hands and i was like oh look it's the old ds the big gray ds the silvery one which yeah. was kind of it was not the best looking ds no. there's a lot of nostalgia uh i remember getting that first ds and it was also the it's one of the only nintendo handhelds i've had that actually died <laughs> Uh, one last note on this E3 conference. It was the last gasp for the GameCube. A number of late life cycle titles were announced, a couple of big ones, including something that's referenced later as a legend, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. However, that game would not appear for another year and on a different console. Yeah. Oh, and it, it did appear on the key, on the GameCube, but it was really more a Wii title that was GameCube adjacent. You can tell which one they wanted you to buy it on by how much a GameCube copy now costs. Yeah, exactly. But weirdly, because it was designed for the GameCube originally, it's still best played with the GameCube controller. I remember those arrow shooting controls. Not great. No. My heart is pumping. You can hear the Xbox Live champion legend right here for season two of Transylvania. Now, if you've seen this before, then you're part of Legends Legendary Light Brigade. Don't you worry about it. But if this is your first time, you're nothing but a bandwagon jumping piece of shit who reads some piece of shit magazines, who watches some piece of shit TV shows and heard about us and think that you can just come on board. It's not as easy as that. But come on. I'll show you some of my moves and maybe you can bust them when you're trying to bust some of that spotty little acne-ridden teenage pussy you want. So then we get... The first of our, I'd say, recurring characters, certainly recurring in the first series, although this character is, is set to meet his end, the character of Legend, 
which is, you know, they're kind of parody of American gamers. And they've clearly got a thing against American gamers because they bring that up a couple of times throughout this episode, playing online against American gamers. And so it's a good parody of American gamers, but it also kind of doubles up as you know, when we did the Gamesville episode, Rab has said in interviews that it was Gamesville that kind of made them want to make Consolvania because they thought it was rubbish and they wanted to make a decent video game show. So kind of like a lot of Legends mannerisms and the way that he talks feels like it comes from their dislike of Gamesville. I could hear a lot of my early international gaming sessions in here. Like I could hear the sort of people I would encounter, the college dude bros who were gaming online. And so when I hear Legend talking, I'm like, yeah, it is a parody. Yeah, it is a stereotype, but also... Those dudes were out there. Yeah, it's an accurate parody is what it is. Uh, He welcomes us back to Consylvania and goes through what I said at the start of this episode where he calls it all a bandwagon and jumping piece of shit. Uh, Which also means no censoring on this episode. We're allowed to swear because they're swearing in the actual episode itself. Fucking A. Yay. Twats and that. Um, (laughs) But then he uh, does make quite a crude joke about teenage sex. And I wrote my notes here. Welcome to 2005. Also very accurate for American and indeed online gamers of that time. Because if there's one thing we can say, particularly about Consylvania of this time, is it is reflective of the community that bore it. Uh, which is why it works. Yeah. And it's why it, it, it spread like the wildfire that it did and why it really caught on is because... It speaks to the people that are taking part in these communities. Like I've been, I was part of these communities. I was part of forums and stuff and chatting with people. The defense that I've often jumped to, and this is going to be the second time in two episodes I brought this up, is only because I'm currently rereading them. Ready Player One. Mm. There are conversations in Ready Player One that feel like it is the worst written shite. Like particularly when like they are arguing about movies. There's a, a scene very early on in the first book between H and uh, 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 Parsifal where they're arguing about movies and Ewoks in particular. And it does read like, particularly when Will Wheaton is reading it, the absolute dirt worst shite. But the defense that I would jump to is I think... It's Ernest Klein writing accurately what forum posts are like. Like people arguing online, this is what it sounds like in a real world conversation. And that is what it would be like in a games world setting. I think that's the intent. It's either that or he's a bad writer. I don't I don't know which way it is. It's either very good meta commentary or he's just a bad writer. It could be the latter, which means he accidentally achieves the former. That's what I mean. Is I'm, I've had various conversations with my wife about this when asking, you know, talking about the book. Is I don't know where it falls, and I don't know if he if I asked him, he would give me an honest answer because I don't. But it, it's definitely one of the two. To quote with and I, even a fucked clock is right twice a day. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where I was on the internet at this point because we're a few years later. I can't remember if I was still part of something awful. I don't know if I was active on Rollmuck at this point or possibly NTSC UK. Most of my memories of those forums come from later on in the Street Fighter 4 crowd and actually having people from that forum that would come to the rock band karaoke events that we used to run. Mm. But I was going through some of the Rollmuck posts about Consylvania. And while, yes, the humour there was very representative of what was also on my screen, I was recognising the names. I'm like, oh, I remember you and you. That name looks very familiar. 
there were jokes that you would make at that time. And I don't know if it's because people thought they were consequence free. I'm sure for some people it did. But for others, it was a case of trying to fit in. Yeah. Not, not even meaning what you're saying, but just wanting a degree of acceptance from your peers. So I would use the the Simpsons as a very good example of what we're talking about here. Because there is a time of The Simpsons that is pre-South Park and a time of The Simpsons that is post-South Park. And The Simpsons that comes post-South Park, post-Family Guy, often feels a bit meaner and trying to push the boundaries and trying to push the edge a little bit more than what it would have done in its pre-South Park, pre-Family Guy days, because what it was doing was trying to compete. It was South Park became this huge thing. Family Guy became this huge thing. So the Simpsons writers were like, okay, well, now we need to try and also be that thing. And I think then, you know, you kind of combine that into forum posting, or in this case, content creation, those are the jokes that people are finding funny. There's a joke in Family Guy that always sticks out in my mind, which is Peter Griffin says, I love Tom Hanks. Everything he says makes me laugh. And it comes to him watching Philadelphia and Tom Hanks being like, I have AIDS. And Peter Griffin laughing at it. That is like the style mm. of humor that was very popular, very towards the style at the time. And so that's what forum posts were like. And so then if, you, if that's what forum posts are like, and that's what these people are appealing to, that's the content you create. And what you get is, jokes about teenage sex or you know this character dressed as hitler and this is like it just feels it's very 2005 yeah and we will address those jokes as we get to them yeah but for now we cue a title card with more of that with that licensed music we're just gonna play the flaming lips don't care don't care and we cut to rab and ryan they lay on the ground and welcoming us to season two and introducing their new ribbon rating system which will definitely be used from here on in and definitely not be a one and done they move on to a picture of jeff minter in the next episode kind of gimmick hello folks and welcome to season two of consylvania where we get a brand new rating system that's right the gold ribbon the blue ribbon and the consylvania brown ribbon it's very exciting, isn't it? So for all the games that we'll be playing, some of them will be lucky enough to get a ribbon rating, which means a gold ribbon is something that's truly exceptional, a blue ribbon is something that we highly recommend, and brown for the shite that I'll be playing. <laughs> I wonder if this is, again, another parody of Gamesville, because that also changed its rating system in its second series. I don't. Maybe it's not. Maybe I am reaching here. It just. I thought it was very. You know, it, considering how much they didn't like that show, for them just to be like, we have a new rating system, and here's what it is. There's a blue ribbon. There's a gold ribbon, and a brown ribbon for absolute games that are full of shite. And it's on that last bit. Rab is lay on the ground with his hat over his face, and you can just hear him giggling. I wonder if that's because they couldn't get through a take without him giggling. So it's like, I'm just going to put my hat on my head and I'm not going to look at you because I'll just laugh. And then he laughed and they're like, fuck it, we need to move on. <laughs> just use We've already take. given this more takes than Games Master did in the entire <laughs> series. It's either that or they're just very good at what they do. And they're like, ah, oh, let's just do one take of this. Rab laughed at the end. Well, that'll do. It's fine. It's natural. It's natural. And it does feel natural. Speaking of things that are natural... We get the Danny Elfman score and a Batman made almost entirely of bin bags running in slow motion, wobbling over a city skyline and tucking and rolling off a garden shed. I guess this is the review of Batman Begins on the Xbox. Batman Begins. It begins to bore me to fucking tears. You know, for somebody that reviews games, movie tie-ins are just the worst. 
because often they're slick, they're polished, they look nice. So much money spent on them, the proper voice talent, everything. But just like in the case of this game here, one of the most boring games I've ever played. I can tell you right now what this game is like. Try and imagine Splinter Cell if it were a hundred times more boring. Oh, there's Michael Caine. <laughs> See, that's what happens. For the entirety of this game, your only moment of levity is laughing at Michael Caine's voice. And why do we laugh at Michael Caine's voice? Simply because he's Michael Caine. Now, as I was saying, more boring than Splinter Cell, and a main character more boring than Sam Fisher. That's right, Batman, as a video game character, is shite. I, I loved this review so much. This is, like, peak rap. When I was looking at people writing retrospective reviews of Consolvania, particularly after, you know, rap got announced for Games Master, but even, like, when... Consolvania announced that it was coming back in 2017. There were lots of like retrospective reviews and stuff. Almost, but all of them said there'll just be things like where he'll just go, fuck off, Batman. And a lot of them referenced this review in particular because I feel like this review is almost, and I've used the word before, a perfect distillation of how Rab reviews games. And everything he says here is right. It is a case of, particularly at this time, Movie tie-ins, they looked pretty slick. They had a bunch of money thrown at them. They often had original cast as voice actors, although one notable exception for this game is Gary Oldman said, I'll pass, thanks, and was replaced by Gavin Hammond. Which is so weird because then Gary Oldman was the one who said, oh no, we're doing another game because I've done my voice, I'm going to do the voice acting in that one. And then that game doesn't get made. They probably upped the ante on the pay scale yeah, or yeah. it was written into his contract. This game has a key problem. Well, it's got two key problems. One is, it's boring. And two, as a visual note, it's very brown. I, I remember the movie being quite brown. Not as brown as this, like, but uh, brown nonetheless. Oh, this is this is everything is brown. Again, goes back to that uh, the YouTube style of content. Zero punctuation would often talk about the various different shades of brown in video games. And I, I wonder if it's just this style of brown was the style of the time. It's just, that's what this shade of brown was. I mean, the floors were brown, the walls were brown, the bat suit looked kind of brown. Michael Caine sounded brown. Everyone sounds and looks and is brown. The script, in particular, is very brown. Turd-like, you might say. <laughs> but it's just Rab constantly talking about how boring this game is. It being one of the worst video game tie-ins he's ever played. It's the most boring game he's ever played. Try and imagine Splinter Cell if it was a hundred times more boring. But the other thing I particularly love about this is he's clearly recording this voiceover while he's watching the footage they recorded of it because he gets distracted being like, oh, is that Michael Caine? <laughs> that was Michael Caine. And it goes a bit of a tie trap. Michael Caine's like, anyway, imagine Sam Fisher if he were really boring trying to tie back to his original point he was going to make. I remember playing this game on the Xbox. It is not good. But what I find fascinating to look at this game, less the review, more the game, is I'm looking at all the elements they're showing of the stealth, the intimidation, the reputation, almost the fear factor. And I'm thinking, this is everything that was in Arkham Asylum. But Arkham Asylum was good. <laughs> <laughs> 
And only comes like like four years later, maybe to three, four years later. Yeah, it's not that long, is it? No, I mean because they don't do a, a sequel game to this, and Dark Knight Rises just gets mobile games because twas the style at the time. So yeah, they must have just moved everything into doing the development for Arkham Asylum instead. It was definitely after the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises games were cancelled, and yeah. that's when it. And when Warner took the um the license back, yeah, and then got Rocksteady on it. I will say the developer of this Eurocom, they did a lot of movie game tie-ins. I think some of the Pirate of the Caribbeans one, definitely some of the Harry Potter ones. Uh, the same year this came out, they did Predator, Concrete Jungle. That's so-so. But my favourite thing they did is probably the ballsiest game you can do in that they did GoldenEye Reloaded. Ah, that game, I, I think, is a, is a weird little title, that. The one where they went, yeah, OK, we'll remake a Pierce Brosnan movie as a game as a Daniel Craig gig controversial the single player at least i really like the ps3 version of golden eye reloaded because with the voice acting with the character models with the new version of the song and with everything else it's the first bond game to me where i actually felt like i was properly playing a bond movie you know gotham city has got a hell of a lot of pipes pipes everywhere the best set of pipes and spin crosby and Batman likes to climb through windows and up pipes. See, you thought that Batman was, you know, a very deep, very psychological kind of superhero. No, he's just a guy in a cape. Who was that Michael Caine? I think that was Michael Caine. Yes, he's a guy in a cape who likes to climb along a lot of pipes and interrogate people for a very long time. But so boring is this game that Rab falls asleep at the microphone and then goes on to an observational humour about how many pipes Gotham has. Batman isn't a psychological mastermind. He's just a lad who likes to climb a lot of pipes. The bit that really made me laugh is like, because he falls asleep and it cuts to him like asleep on the microphone with his eye being opened up by the, the mic itself. And then like, it's just a... Shipment's coming Sorry. As he wakes himself up, because Ryan wakes him up. And then he just goes... Gotham has lots of pipes. The best set of pipes since Bing Crosby. <laughs> He's just a guy who likes climbing along pipes and interrogating people for a long time. Fucking shut up, Batman. Hey, we're going to go in the sewers. What do you get in the sewers? More, More pipes. pipes. <laughs> Here's me picking some locks. It's easy. Here's me racing the Batmobile. Amazingly, no pipes involved in this, but it's also very brown, very boring. And when I think of Batman and what Batman does, do you know what I think of him doing, Luke? What's that? Hacking cranes. <laughs> do you remember all those classic Batman comics where he operates a crane? Fuck off, Batman. Fuck off, Batman. Although we do get an amazing snippet of dialogue from the game, which is Christian Bale going, tell me about the rabbits. <laughs> and then we see some behind-the-scenes shtick, which is Christian Bale failing to act like he understands the game. The PS2 is in witness protection. That's the best bit of this, because they filmed Christian Bale playing this game on a PS2. But because this is the Xbox release of it, the pad is blurred out. As if you can't make out that it's a PS2 controller. And then we get clips of Michael Caine multiple times going, I suppose I should get one of those game console things. I can't even work out my email. My wife does it for me. Email? What's that? Game <laughs> consoles? I was in the swab. I feel that Michael Caine uses that line a lot. Any pitch meeting where they're talking about the internet. 
And it's like, I can't even access my own emails. My wife has to do it for me. I reckon it doesn't fly anymore. No, 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 probably not. I reckon days. the executives are like, Michael, you've got an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I have a father-in-law. My father-in-law says things like this. You got a console? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You just out of school? Yeah. Yeah, what school do you go to? Well, we went to high school and it's shithole. It's shithole? Is it in Glasgow? Yes. What about your girlfriend here? You play video games? No. Why not? I have better things to do with my time. You never played Tetris? Tetris? Sorry about that. <laughs> but away from the shit-ass brown game, Legend is interviewing a bunch of school kids. This young lad goes to William Wood High School, a high school that was actually just in the middle of being redeveloped and rebuilt. I looked that up. They actually got a really good Ofsted rating after that. So it may have been a shithole then, but it got better. Or it could just be that you're a kid at school who doesn't like school, so of course it's a shithole, no matter how good the Ofsted report is. That's also fair. But even though his high school's a shithole, he plays video games. His girlfriend doesn't. She's got better things to do with her time, like lie down in front of a man on a skateboard. And Legend then suffers from a Freudian penis. Yeah, I was going to say, and then we get him talking about her tits, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm going to give Rab the benefit of the doubt because I think this is something that the stereotype they're sending up absolutely would do. Also, and I will jump to the defence on this, it's 2005. It, it may sound like I'm a broken record when I do use the twas the style at the time excuse, but twas the style at the time and this is what people found funny. So I don't begrudge him for doing a joke that would have made people laugh. Yeah. And I mean, it made all of the kids laugh, including her. Yeah, exactly. It's because like it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good joke in the context of what it's being told in. Unfortunately, it's, it, you could take this, like, clip it out and completely take it out of context and it would seem bad now. But I think if you ask Rab about this now, he would be like, oh yeah, which those are the jokes that we made at the time. I don't condone them now, but those are the jokes. It's Dominic Diamond and the jokes that he makes in, in like, a series of Games Master. I also think the kids were definitely in on it. Like They must have spoken to Rab when Rab wasn't being legend. Yeah. They must have got it. I don't think some of the other people we no, see later... later on, 100%. But these kids here, it almost feels like he knew them. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe knows this next kid who was inspired to take up skateboarding after playing the Tony Hawk's games, which I imagine would have happened a lot. Hap- must have happened a lot. Because, I, I mean, I know that Tony Hawk Pro Skater was one of my first uh, experiences of skateboarding. And it was that and the CKY films and VHSs that and then like getting hold of other um, skateboarding VHSs that mean got me and my friends into it. I'm very much of the, the the generation that got into skateboarding because of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And Rab then challenges him to do an ollie over him and we then get a video medley while Teenage Kicks plays because hey licensed music is cool. They credit them at the end. They do credit <laughs> them at the end and amazingly, it doesn't end in disaster. He just about clears. Just about makes over. Yeah, more or less lands on his arm. <laughs> yeah. And we then see Rab getting on the board himself in slow motion as he attempts to ollie over the lass he talked to earlier. He stops short and runs away with a skateboard, which confuses some adults, but the kids thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, dead funny, this. And speaking of dead funny, I had no idea where this was going. This introduction to Metal Gear Solid 3, it's just clips of the game, the music's underneath, and you're like, okay, where's the joke? What's the punchline going to be? The punchline is... They speak in Star Fox noises. It's amazing because Metal Gear Solid 3 is like considered 
one of the best video games of all times. I mean, it's getting a remaster release. We talked about the Metal Gear Solid collection the other week. It's getting a remake as well as Metal Gear Solid Delta. And it's the fifth game that Kojima worked on. It's the third solid game. But because what is time, it's the first game because it's set in 1964. The actual opening sequence for the game is very Bondian. They had the song called Snake Eater that was amazing. It's so Bond. Oh, yeah. And and the voice acting and the script is brilliant. Well, this voice acting. That's what makes it so funny is you do have some lines delivered with genuine pathos and skill and voice, you know, really high quality actors. Not here. Bip, 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 bip. <laughs> and the funniest thing for me was looking at Rolmuck at the time and a number of people going, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Whereas me, because I love Star Fox. It, it's instantly there. I, I, I very much enjoyed this as a gag. And I, I haven't played uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. I think that's going to be a bit of a running theme when we're doing these later episodes. I, <laughs> I didn't play, a, I, I played games, so I just didn't play the big games. But my housemate at university did play this. So I watched him play it. So I have seen the game. I've just not played it myself. And that's it. The sequence ends. And... It is a complete non sequitur. It feels very Adult Swim. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Adult Swim, kind of like that that very much just kind of out there thing. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Brilliant sketch. And it's also here you can see what Rab would bring with some of the sketches in Games Master. Whether they landed or not is entirely contextual and perspective. And some people liked them and some people didn't. But here in Consylvania... It's it's a home run. It it works within Consolvania. Because it doesn't leave it hanging too long. Although I'm not sure about the next gag. Yeah, this is this is an odd one, this one. Like it's you know, we've got Elvis Costello's Oliver's Army playing, and then we're we're sort of flirting with the teddy bear. I wasn't imagining it. Ryan was making kind of come to bed eyes at the teddy, yeah. wasn't he? And it felt like the teddy bear was also giving him come to bed eyes because the teddy bear was trying to distract him from reading his book, but he wanted to read his book. So he burns the teddy to continue to read his book. And stabs it. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, Conquer Live and Reloaded. <laughs> At last, here it is, Rail's remake of the truly, truly special Conquer's Bad Fur Day, which I'm sure you're all very aware was released in the N64. Conquer's first release was a tragic tale. It was something new, exciting and fresh. Unfortunately, the Nintendo 64 at the time wasn't. It was kind of like a funeral, a big busty tart stripper bursting out of a coffin like it was a birthday cake, so Nintendo did the only thing they could have been expected to do. They made every effort to cram said stripper back into the coffin and bury it with all deceased. Well, half a decade's passed since and now Rare have made the move to recoup some of the vast sums of cash they rightly should have made from the original. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's that was the use of the lead-in for that because we've now got a little cuddly creature in Conquer. I guess that's the sequitur. Maybe they had the footage, they had the review, and they were like, yeah, they're slightly different brands of peanut butter, but they're both peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. So we got this as a preview at the end of Ultimate Gamer a few weeks back, and here we are getting a review of it, and it pretty much sums up what the reviews about it said at the time, which is that... The single player is exactly the same as the N64. It's as you remember it because they put all of their effort into the multiplayer. The problem was multiplayer wasn't that great. Yeah. I mean, Ryan does talk a little bit about the history of Conquer. He does come up with a very interesting analogy comparing Conquer's Bad Fur Day to 
strippers popping out of a coffin at a funeral based on the life cycle of the Nintendo 64. And the problem is all I could think was, I've been to a funeral with strippers. Admittedly, they weren't there in professional capacity. They were there as people that knew the person that it was the funeral of. But it just made me think of, oh, yeah, there were there were some strippers and and burlesque dancers at that funeral. It it is quite uh, it's quite the analogy. Particularly because like it, it sort of works with the, the N64's dying days and like and then a stripper jumps out of the N64 coffin. Because uh, Congress Bad Fur Day is a weird game for the N64. This family-friendly Nintendo console has Conker's Bad Fur Day on it, which is not a family-friendly game whatsoever. If Conker's Bad Fur Day is a house on fire, Nintendo with this was Principal Skinner. <laughs> yeah. Is that an R-rated game? No. No, no, no. That's uh that's that's some cute cuddly animals. Yeah, absolutely it is. But now Rare is with Microsoft. So Rare can just make this game for Microsoft instead and try and as Brian says, recoup the money that they should have made the first time around on the the remake. And the graphics are nicer now, but even if the loading screens are a bit longer, but its problem is I mean, Ryan makes the point here. He thought the online version of this game would be an online version of Conker's Bad Fur Day or a Conker game, as, as he sort of puts it. Or maybe just like some kind of race levels where you have to like... There's like three or four of you playing. Yeah. You race through a level. There's only so many power-ups. You it's know, just something con- that... Yeah, something that actually works with what the game is. But the multiplayer is just... Well, it's Halo. And or, it's just standard death matches and capture the flag. Yeah, or, or even with the uh, third-person kind of perspective, Gears of War. Yeah, and it's so I, I think he's right in that you get a few hours of fun, but it's not very innovative. It just feels a bit bland and lazy to just do a, a very standard online multiplayer thing that's just aimed towards American teenagers, as he puts it. And he does admit that, you know, this may be for you, it's not for him because he's a snobby bastard. I, I mean, I particularly like the line, there's loads there, but at the same time, there's nothing there. So the live mode isn't for me, but I'm a snobby bastard, so you don't have to listen to me. So it's back to one player with me. Lovely, beautiful one player. As you're moving through the main game, if you've played the original, you'll quickly notice you remember just about every inch of it, which is a testament to how great the original was. The graphics aren't the only improvement either, the camera's got better, but we'll still have you screaming in certain close situations. Your squirrel controls better too, unless you're in the back of a dinosaur. But the game carries over some things I think could have been smoothed out. There's some right bastard leaps of faith, and sometimes there's areas you can clearly get into, but you're bounced off invisibility shields, something that nowadays looks really awful. But we go back to the one player, and as you said earlier, and as other people said at the time, if you've played the original, this will be familiar. The camera's a bit better. There's a fair few quality of life improvements, which you can still experience to this day as part of the Rare Collection on Xbox One and Xbox Series X. I think it's even still in the Game Pass, which is pretty cool. Some issues still carry over, which is something that I've encountered in a bunch of Xbox and 360 games I've been playing via backwards compatibility recently, which is the whole, hey, I should be able to walk over there. Nope. Force field. Yeah, the invisible walls are in full effect. They you know, were there in the N64 for hardware limitations, but shouldn't really be there in a, an Xbox port of it. You know, the, 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 the faults of the game that were in the original are still there yeah it just looks prettier and there are loading times 
Although, if you are playing it on a Series S or Series X, those loading times greatly reduced because, holy shit, what is an SSD? It's their limitations of the previous generation. And when you are just porting across the game into the next generation, but are making no changes to it whatsoever, they do become more noticeable, even if the graphics are nicer. You know, like the poo ball being rolled up the hill, as we were talking about in the IGN review of it a couple of weeks back. It's the nicest looking poo ball being rolled up a hill you'll ever see. But there is only so far that can take you if you have already completed the game. And got Ryan ends this off being like, I'm just going to stick with my stripper. Yeah, specifically, big busty tart stripper version. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now I know you haven't seen this. We take another trip back to Nintendo's E3 press conference and Reggie is wrestling with a sock puppet inside his jacket, a.k.a. Shigzy, the presenter of the Shigzy show. He's a sock puppet. He's kind of lecherous. This is his last appearance, but basically he's based on Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, it's a parody of Miyamoto, a parody in the loose sense of the word, as a sock puppet. And what we have here is Reggie reaching into his pocket to, to grab something and they've intercut that with Shigzy trying to get out of the pocket and Reggie just shoveling him back in. They've cut it together very well to make it look like it's one thing. Because I think this would be the debut of the Game Boy Micro. Yeah, exactly. It's basically being used to tell the audience we're killing off this character and we're going to show you that by showing you some other dead people from history like Mr. Perfect. And Freddie Mercury. And Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and Reggie just going, not my problem. Not my problem. And ending off with, they are us. We then get something that is listed as a genuine pitch to Rockstar North. And apparently it is. Oh, yeah. It was 100% a genuine pitch to Rockstar North. Who just politely declined. Yeah, they went, not for us. However, as a long-form sketch goes, and also as a choice of piece of music... Oh, oh better go west in oh, there. Oh, oh, oh delightly. We close... Our... This this was a banging tune for uh, our game, uh, game station playlist. Used to have this on a lot because... 
Oh, we always used to say you can tell how great the song is because it just goes for it. And it's it's on my playlist to this day. It's an same. absolute tune. Absolute same. If we get a copyright strike for an episode of the podcast and it's this one, we're going down blazing. <laughs> we have got so much great music. But this is their pitch of a game for the next Rockstar game, the next Rockstar epic. It's Man Puncher versus Boxhead. Oh, it is. This is a flash animation brought to life. <laughs> it is. Boxhead has captured Manpuncher's third girlfriend and locked her in the greenhouse as we get an amazing soundtrack. We get an amazing split screen of Boxhead doing flexing and various other nefarious criminal things. Title card says that there will be incredible performances, certain to have internet forms buzzing with whatever it is that makes fat virgin geeks buzz. <laughs> Most things. You would say, you know, oh, that's a comment of the time. But I mean, Mighty Number no. 9 and their advertising did virtually the same thing. And that was only a couple of years ago. We then cut to Manpuncher being admonished by his boss, whose office appears to be a bathroom. And why is he being admonished? Well, apparently he punched a four-year-old's head clean off. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this joke had aged badly, but then I realised how much I was laughing at the absurdity. And I'm like, no, that's, that's pretty funny. It totally works. This is one of those, a very 2005 gag, but still works to this day. The, the absurdity, the, the abstract humour of like, you were fired because you punched too much. And you punched so much, you punched a four-year-old boy's head to clean off his shoulders. I punch as many mans as needed to get the job done. And then he punches his boss. He man punches. That's what, for some reason, first time I wrote, he punches, I wrote, he man punches. And that was it. That's what my notes are. He man punches the chief. So he goes into a fight with Boxhead, but cannot beat him. So has to go to his trainer, a sensei, to learn how to be a better puncher. Who proceeds to beat the shit out of Man Puncher with a headlock? Because we're told via the placard in front of us that this will have dramatic storylines that make business sense. And that's when we cut to a woman with foil overhead reporting to Boxhead that all his clones are ready, which is excellent because then, Luke, every enemy will look like Boxhead. It saves time and money for the developers. Good business sense. We also see Boxhead's cat also wearing foil hat. It's got multiple game styles, combat, stealth, and decathlon. And another card reassures us this is not a piss take. If you would like to assist with this pitch, please send Manpuncher vs. Boxhead fan art to consolvania.com. Uh, it's our first appearance in this episode as well of Louise Stewart, uh, who is a regular amongst Consolvania, and her younger sister will be on this show much later on. Bloody love that Go West track, but also... As you said, Rockstar, despite the use of that Go West track, and let's be honest, Rockstar love a licensed soundtrack. <laughs> uh, they didn't pursue it, but then you have the whole thing with Bummed in the Gob, GTA 4. Yeah. There's, there's some the mutual respect there. there. So I, I've got to be honest, this, this might be the bit I laughed at the most. 
when it first said Consylvania News Live from Japan, my initial note was, yeah. oh uh, no. Uh-oh. I had a real like, <laughs> oh no, this, this could be worrisome here. But <laughs> This could be Jim Davison territory. I didn't think it would be. I didn't think Rab would go that way. But it was 2005. So there was every chance that it could have done. And it might just be because it's making plans for Nigel, which also was on our Game Station playlist a lot because our boss was called Simon, but he looked like a Nigel. So we always called him Nigel. And we would then play this song. Primus also did an excellent cover of it as well. So it might just be that. Or it's just the blank expression on Hitoki's face as he's moving around. The, the, they're moving this green screen cutout around. Never as, properly in frame. <laughs> never properly in frame as he's got his finger to his ear just looking blankly while Rab is asking him questions about what he's saying. Live on Link Up from Japan. Hitoki, can you hear us? Hitoki. Hello. We've got the footage there, Hitoki. Um, can you hear us yet? What, what was that game, Hitoki? Hitoki, was that Advance Wars for the DX? Can you hear us here? The magic excitement about this. Hitoki! I don't know why, but this made me laugh, and it's the bit that I've thought about the most since I finished watching this. You know, I watched it last week, and it really made me laugh. And this song has been stuck in my head for the past seven days. And when I watched it again today, this is the bit that made me laugh the most again. And it doesn't work in, a, in an audio format, unfortunately. Uh, you, you can't get how funny this is unless you see the visual with it. And it is also worth tracking it down because we also get, well, two Japanese commercials for games coming out. The first of which, until I looked it up, I thought, is this another restaurant tie-in game? <laughs> because we get some katsu curry. And my second thought was, I really want some katsu curry yeah, now. I could do with that now. I, yeah. I like that. That'd, be, that'd be some tasty stuff. I'm going to get the train home tonight and there is a wasabi that's just next to London Bridge Station. So maybe I can get something from there. Maybe. And maybe it will actually approach a half decent katsu <laughs> curry. <laughs> oh, and also it's going to be a good one. It's the McDonald's of takeaway. Of, it's a McDonald's of kind of katsu curry, really. It's a convenient katsu curry. But this game is called No, No, No Puzzle Chalian. It's a Game Boy Advance game with three different mini-games inside. The first of which, and I think this is where the katsu comes in, is set in a microwave. And the player has to rotate cooking ingredients clockwise in that microwave uh, to get them to fit into holes. And when all the cooking ingredients have fit into their respective holes, the round is complete and the microwave goes ping. That's it. That's that type of game. This this segment is a bit all wacky Japan, but I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of the Hitoki stuff that it uh, it kind of worked for me. Plus, I like Japanese commercials. Oh, they're amazing. The, particularly the Advance Wars DS one. Famicom Wars Advanced Wars, known here as Famicom Wars, because it was the style of time, and that's what it was known as in Japan. Uh, this commercial is amazing. It's got a whole bunch of people being put through the kind of uh, drill sergeant routine, mm-hmm. yep. and then they're seen at the end playing the game. Uh, it's an amazing game. It's a great commercial. 
that's it really that's it's it just, yeah yeah it, it's a it's great, great it's a great commercial the first commercial's really good as well both of these commercials so far have made me want to go back and play their respective games oh, one of man, them i've yeah. never played before but advanced wars ds oh yeah oh man talking about those train trips to portsmouth played some shit out of some advanced wars ds and then we get, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is just here for uh, one of, uh, um, you know, our moderators from the um, Under Mod Saltation, Pink Lithium. We get a, an American advert for Kirby on the DS. And this advert is fucking adorable. It's Kirby, a real-life Kirby costume, running around with what is either a finger or a giant peen. It is one of the two. I'd imagine it's the, the latter, um, but it could well be the former. I mean, he does suck a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the, the peen walking around with Kirby and touching him. Because now you, at home, can touch Kirby yourself. <laughs> with your peen. With your peen. And if you it's, don't have a peen, there's a stylus in the DS. It's great. This, yeah, this advert rules. It doesn't really work in the context of the rest of the skit because this is not news from Japan. But I didn't mind it at all because I think this is a very adorable and cute advert. I'm not sure us recording in person is actually a good <laughs> idea after all. But... This is It's only a weird commercial in the sense of I was expecting it to be Japanese and was therefore very surprised when it turned out to be American because it felt weird enough to be Japanese. Yeah, very much so. I wonder if it was just... I know it can't be because it looks like an American street. I was about to say it was an, a, a Japanese advert that they just put an American voiceover over, but it does look like it's filmed on American streets. The segment ends with rap calling him a dobber, which... <laughs> yeah, dobber. Yeah, talking, I heard you and got a bobby. Yeah, dobber. Yeah. And Hitoki mostly still continuing to ignore Rab. It's a lovely bit of uh, colloquialism that's in there. Uh, and the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I, one of my kids' books that's based on the TV show Bluey is about not dobbing on people and using the term don't be a dobber. And it's, I was, I'm reading that book to my kid at her bedtime and I've got Rab calling Hitoki a dobber because he can't hear him. Well then, what do we have here? Seven Sins in the PlayStation 2. Looks like a sexy life sim. Could be interesting. Seven Sins. Seven stages to play through the game. I'm going to have to keep this voice up throughout the review because I'm afraid that if I don't dissociate myself from this game, I will actually go fucking mental. Character designs is a bit like that from The Sims. The characters talk like voices like gibberish from The Sims. Basically what you're attempting to do is to build relationships with little ladies by saying things to them that they like and then they will let you touch their breasts. This is the manager's wife, I am touching her breasts and now the manager has caught me and I am going to run out of the shop where I work. Some games we have encountered over the past three plus years, I've gone, oh, I remember this. And then I see this game. And it's the same words, but a much lower tone of, oh, I remember this. Yeah. This review segment of the game Seven Sins is, for the most part, actually one of the funnier segments. It also has the joke that has aged the worst. Oh, yeah. But this game is terrible. So what we have here is Seven Sins. It's a life simulation type video game. The player has to get to the top of the social ladder, has to basically make all these decisions all based around the seven deadly sins. 
to to become kind of an alpha. It, it's really it's an alpha male simulator. Yeah, this is the sort of game that that. What's the name of that prick? Andrew Tate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all thinking it. <laughs> it's the sort of game that Andrew Tate definitely played. Yeah. It it came out to Luke. Average reviews. Mixed, you might Mi- say. <laughs> Mixed, you might say. Like, you know, I liked PC's review of this. Or we can't recommend Seven Sins. <laughs> well, we can't wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly recommend I feel that you're giving them too much credit by removing that word. It honestly isn't anywhere near as bad as some might tell you. They're just too timid to admit it. Whoever wrote that review was probably quite lonely at the time. Maybe. Because the game involves you making decisions based on pride, wrath, greed, envy, lust, sloth, gluttony. Lust plays into it a lot. And as you build relationships, new missions are unlocked. This game is a game I have played variants on in that the social relationship ladder. A lot of visual novels are like this. In fact, elements of Persona 5, a game I love, a game one of the people you work with loves. Mm -hmm. There is relationship elements in that. And hey, you can go the bigamy route. I did on my first playthrough. It was worth getting punched at the end. This game has none of the charm because we see this game. The characters look like they're from The Sims. They talk like they're from The Sims. And if you make enough right decisions, you can touch their breasts. It feels like the genesis of this game was someone felt that the sex bits in The Sims were not the whole game, but really liked The Sims, but just wished the sex bits were the main bits. So I thought, but what if the game was all of those bits? And we'll just make a game that is all the sex bits from The Sims. We'll have them look like The Sims, sound like The Sims, and they can do all the sex bits they want. So we see, quite disturbingly, the player's character touching someone's breasts. But oh no, it's the boss's wife's breasts. Uh And the boss catches you. This feels like confessions of a window cleaner all over again. You're now fired. You have to play a mini game to calm down because this understandably makes you very anxious. You then go back to the shop. You get chased around the shop potentially touch more breasts Ryan admits to basically cheating his way through this first mission by using a load save loop just to avoid getting caught all the time you end up unlocking photos of ladies you may or may not have banged this this bit was unfortunate to watch on the train when I was making my notes for this episode do you watch it on your phone or on your laptop on my laptop yeah did you angle the laptop screen towards a window yeah I, I just thought it'll be over soon it wasn't was it nope it, it kept going and i thought well maybe if the people walk past and see that i'm also writing at the same time they'll assume that i'm taking notes on it but maybe that's worse it kind of reminded me it of, is worse yeah well it reminded me of uh back in my film critic days they did not do a press screening for 50 shades of gray but we needed a review for it, so I had to go to the first screening, the first public screening of Fifty Shades of Grey at half nine on a Friday morning. And I said to my then-girlfriend, now-wife, I'm going to look real weird because I'm going on my own. But my wife said to me, or my girlfriend said to me, well, why don't you take a notepad? At least people then will know you're there to review the movie. And I was like, no, people will think I'm taking notes on the movie of what to do in the bedroom. They'll think that I'm using this as a lifestyle thing. And she's like, yeah, you're just going to have to look weird. And and I did. I was among seven people who were there at the half nine screening. I was the only single gentleman on my own in the room. And I did feel weird about it, but I did go home and write a three-star review. 
did you go to a local cinema or did you have the sense to go to a cinema a distance away? Nope, I went to a local cinema. I was not cash rich enough to uh, travel far. Because <sighs> I bet you when you went back after that, like the person that cleared out the cinema or the projections was like, it's that guy again, it's that guy again, he's back. I did think about when I bought my ticket, but like, I'm here to review the film. <laughs> that would have made it worse. <laughs> I've got to write a review for the film. There's only press screenings of it. I've got no choice. We see the player copying a feel of Odo from Deep Space Nine's boobs. So what this game looks like is shit. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, I really enjoyed Ryan's line of like, some reviews are shocked at this game's morals. I'm more shocked at how shite it is. What this game looks like, and if you're listening to this, there will be a portion of the audience will know exactly what I'm talking about here. If you have used a website that is showing you wrestling illegally because you have not got a BT Sport login but you do need to watch Monday Night Raw and when you click the video player it doesn't play the video it just brings pop-ups up instead and you just you know get this big screen thing that's an advert for a sex game that's what this looks like the graphics are the same the styling's the same the animations are the same or if you're looking to download music off of YouTube and you click it and it opens up a pop-up window. This is what these games look like. And it's just, it's 20 years later, but the games have not changed. He covers a little bit more of the game, including, for some reason, running out the house, then coming back, peeing in the sink, punching someone, shagging someone else in the dressing room. It, it is a game. It is definitely... It is definitely a game. A game. And he definitely makes a joke. Yep, I'm not going to repeat it here. But the basic gist of it is, Ryan says that he was always of the belief that if you're over 18, you should be able to play what you want as it won't change your behaviour. But after this game, he wants to do something that I'm not going to repeat, nor are you, and I suspect we're probably not even going to put the clip in of that. Probably will put the clip in of that bit. Like, there were many other ways that punchline could have ended. I understand twas the style of the time, but I'm just like... It's internet humour. It is internet humour. Uh, we get another terrible scene of the game, and this becomes the first brown ribbon of the series. And the only brown ribbon <laughs> of the series. Thankfully, the, the internet humour moves on, because Hitler does an art attack. <laughs> I didn't want to laugh at this. Neither did I, Ash, because I think Hitler jokes... I mean, I know in 2005 it was a, is a cool thing to do, but it's such a played-out thing now. I didn't want to laugh at this, but when he looked at the camera and said, I, I did laugh. Do you know the worst thing? The first time I watched this, I was watching him lay out all these video game cases, and I'm sat there going... What's he making? <laughs> so my, so I thought he was writing his name. My thought was going to be, oh, you're going to think it's a swastika, but it's actually something else. No, it's just a swastika. But he then does, try it yourself. I can't remember if it was around this time or a bit later, but there was the Hitler sitcom that made one episode and then died on its ass with good reason. The thing is, you can, to a degree, make jokes involving hitler i think as long as hitler looks stupid i mean there's it's not i mean there is comedy in it but there also isn't uh jojo jo jo jojo rabbit yeah jojo rabbit there's the example there are ways you can do it um the wolfenstein remakes like particularly yeah. when it's old hitler that is an incontinent megalomaniac film director it's very funny, particularly in, in when you get to shoot him. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards has got a, a similar thing. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade mentioned it earlier. Hitler signing 
like Jones's dad's Grail diary. Yeah, that's funny. It's, there are there are Hitler jokes to be done, and maybe turns out one of those Hitler jokes that you can do is having Hitler be Neil Buchanan. Oddly, though, this character within Consylvania does have a Games Master connection. It's a real, it's a wonderful life moment of he's about to kill himself. Again. But, again. But reconsiders after being visited by a guardian angel who claims to be Patrick Moore. Yeah, the Games Master returns to save Hitler from killing himself at Christmas. Weirder things happened. I yep. mean, the chicken in the consultation zone, for an example. We, on this podcast, we have had Games Master punch aliens. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. It does feel like it's become a very, very different show at this point. Like, it's just <laughs> heart, hand, break, turn. And this second half of this show is going off the rails with internet humour of the culture at the time. This thread continues as we get to the 2005 Consolvania MILF search. Yeah, and we're kicking things off with Star Ocean 3 because it has a middle-aged woman, that is her character name, looking like she's blowing one of the characters. But don't worry, folks. There's more hot MILFs coming soon. C-U-M-M-I-N-G. Oh, yeah. To be honest, this clip happened, and as soon as she stopped, I thought, okay, I see the bobbing head, Dad. Okay. Mm. Then they slowed it down. Then they started speeding it up. And I hated myself for laughing, but it was actually really funny. Yeah. Blowjob jokes are. This is, it's very early YouTube comedy. In terms of like, this would have just been a eight second or a 10 second video that was loaded to YouTube and it would have done like, you know, 30,000 views and people would have been hilarious about it. Like I remember jokes like this or like, you know, a bit of content being made like this is being shared around was, um, and maybe I'll put a clip of this in, the Resident Evil sex scene. Yeah. Which was someone cutting together clips from the dialogue of Resident Evil to make it sound like they're all having an orgy. Kill? Hi, Barry. Why on earth are you here? I'll be examining this. Barry? Barry! I just had something I wanted to check. I think I'll stay and look around more. Whoa! What the hell? Chris, you're here too? I think I'm beginning to understand. That's what I was going to say. Chris is our old partner, you know. Hey, we're partners, aren't we? Let's work together. Look at this. Wow. What is it? What do you think of it? Protect yourself. Perhaps that was the most important part. Let's go. Okay, I'll go first. Damn, it's broken. Seems like it. Oh, my God. Hey, what's going on? All right, can you do it? Lost courage already? I'm sorry for my lack of manners, but I'm not used to escorting men. Jill, let's do it. Ah, uh, yes. Barry! Jill Sandwich, right. Yes. And me and my friends thinking... Jill it was, Sandwich? Jill, yeah. And me and my friends thinking it was the funniest fucking thing we'd ever heard. So drunk, I'm so drunk. Okay, now listen, talk to me. Talk to me. We're back with Legend. Oh, aren't we just? And he's encountered a drunk man in Glasgow... For some reason, they're holding hands. <laughs> and it looks like it is quite early for this man to be that drunk. It's always beer o'clock somewhere sometime. There's a game called Super Monkey Ball. You get rankings, you get rankings, or you get your D's, you get your C's, your B's, your A's, okay? Now, what, what would you want if you could choose 
all right, if you had a choice, what would be the best thing to have? What would you want most? Would you want a DP or would you want a double A? A double A. You want a double A? Yeah? What about you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> double A, that's good. I like these girls. He speaks to two girls about Super Monkey Ball and the, the various scores you can get, the letter scores that you can get for Super Monkey Ball. So you can get an A, a B, a C, and a D. So would you rather have a double A or a DP? For my own sanity and this podcast, I'm glad they both answered a double A. Yeah. It's the lesser of two evils. And again, my brain goes, this is the character. And again, that character, the person it's stereotyping absolutely would say that and it's a character that they're about to not do anymore yeah they're not bringing this character back after se- for after series two i think these girls had an inkling that something was up unlike Maybe. the one woman we see later but we'll get there because legend then asks a guy who i think has never heard of a video game in his life if he's ever played super mario brothers i think this guy thinks this is a venue because he says no i just do dancing up there what kind of dancing Rock and roll jiving. I never play the Super Mario Brothers venue. Is it disco? This took me back to uh, filming at Comic-Con to... God, 20... What year did Civil War come out? 2016? So it must have been 2014. Comic-Con 2014 or 2015. I want to say it's 2015. And... My the, my director at the time for the YouTube channel I was working for said, do you know what would be really funny? If you go around and ask people in cosplay about their characters, but you think that they are the real characters. And me not wanting to do it. But doing it anyway. And granted, we got some fun stuff out of it. And it does come out as quite a fun little uh, thing. I asked uh, someone dressed as Deadpool, why aren't you funny anymore? Uh, I had my own Dennis Penis moment. And then as he walked away from me, I shouted like, what have you got to say about Howard the Duck being funnier than you are? So we got some decent stuff out of it. But when it was filmed, I was like, I don't want to do that again. That's what happens here with Legend. We get some funny stuff out of this, but you can almost feel him being like, I don't want to do this anymore. This next section is a guy skirting with the balance of his life because <laughs> Legend asks at first innocuous question of like, oh, review your girlfriend, Lisa, like she was a video game. She's and, got all the megapixels. Oh, she's the most beautiful video game he's ever played. And I'm like, mate, that's weak source. That's a terrible <laughs> analogy. While this is going on, an absolute Ned messes around behind them before walking off, realizing he wasn't either getting on mic or on camera intentionally. That's where the Megapixels line comes. He asks, Legend asks about the graphics. And the guy's <laughs> beginning to slip a bit. And then we get to Legend saying... And she wouldn't be a multiplayer game at all, no? No, no. Is she a multiplayer game? <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, no. And Lisa is like, no. And then it freezes. And it's just his face being like, this is the face of a man who has thought about it. <laughs> if this was a few years later, it would just have this bit of music. Yeah, it would be the Curb Your Enthusiasm meme. That's this kind of freeze frame it gets. Yeah, that was that was a funny one. And I think the guy probably still had a relationship at the end of this. There might be a few questions raised. Shout out to his 2005 haircut, though. Absolutely. We cut back to Legend, who's seen giving the web address photoshootla.tk. Don't try and go there, because it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. However, the Wayback Machine is a terrible power to have. Uh-oh. 
The images are missing. However, from what I can tell, it appears to be a sight of a couple who go around doing photo shoots, possibly of kind of dogging. Mm -hmm. So you're sending a woman there. It's not what she's going to be expecting. Nope. New. No. It's just we're even day PC games. Every day, every day. Fucking sellout. Am I sellout? Who am I sellout? Fuck that's pish, man. No way am I sellout. What's worse than here, man? Oh, telling you. What the fuck's that? What's that? No, Henry. I can hear her talk to me. Oh, you fucking. She talks not, to me. That half of that. I is can mine. hear her talk. Off no, she's all. No. Don't think Give so. me it. Watch. So one big change with Series 2 is they've got sponsors. They've definitely not sold out, though. No, no, absolutely. Lucky beggars, because there's not a lot of content creators that would have got a, you know, a decent sponsor, like uh, like Alienware. Early early doors as well. I mean, this is a big old Alienware PC. I, I, admit, I, I remember this case design. I remember looking at it and going, I guess I'll just build my own PC then, because I can't afford this. It's a very funny skit, though, of Ryan shouting and having a go at Rab for reviewing PC games because they don't review PC games. And Rab being like, look, we're being spoiled. I'm not a sellout for it, though. And then oh. he takes his coat off because it's too hot in there and he's wearing an Alienware t-shirt. I love that moment. But then he leans towards the PC and says, <laughs> and gets slapped around the head for it. But this is the PC review section, the first PC review on Consolvania. And it's a big old game to review because it's Battlefield 2. I don't know anything about Battlefield. I didn't play the first game because I'm not the biggest fan of first-person shooters. That's the truth. Sure, Half-Life 2 and its ilk are fantastic, um, but they're not the norm. The norm is these very mundane, very boring games. But look... Battlefield 2 is the distillation of the strategic first-person shooter down to its purest and greatest of essences. And it's also a big, fat, shitty stick in the eye of everybody that says that PC gaming is poor-faced. This is the best fun I've had since probably Resident Evil 4. Nowadays, you think of Battlefield. Battlefield's been around the block. It's Battlefield, Call of Duty, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This was the second Battlefield game, but it was quite a game changer rab goes into a lot of it here but this game was huge see when you talk about that multiplayer like he talks about it later on in the review but you can have 64 players at once in one of those rooms it's like whoa like with the graphics that look this good as well and this game does look really good you could see why this was released to not mixed reviews critical acclaim uh, Metacritic's aggregate review score is 91 out of 100 based on 55 reviews. Now, some of those review scores were revised later because the initial release did have bugs. I'm not surprised. It was a massive game and it was still early doors for this kind of thing in 2005. But they patched it, they expanded it, it paid off. And listening to Rab talk about this game and particularly just talking about the multiplayer aspect. There is a single player aspect. It involves a world war between the US and the European Union, including us at that point, against Russia, China, and a fictional coalition of Middle Eastern countries. And there's all sorts of insurgencies. Plot, but it's it's a good single player campaign. But much like Call of Duty now, 
this game is remembered for the multiplayer aspect and that's what Rab chooses to focus on, which is very, very smart. It is, because that's what people are going to be playing this game for. Kind of like you know, the point that we're making about Conquer Live and Reloaded, which is you could play the single player, but you're more interested in the multiplayer. And like around this period of time, and I, I think you can probably tell why I was dipping off a lot of games at this point, is because I realized that there's not as much ever being put into single players, and that's what I want to do, because I don't like playing games online. One of the things I, I really... You know, you can tell that the passion for this comes through is when he says that this is better than Counter-Strike. And Counter-Strike at this point probably was like the online shooter, the the online first-person shooter. I also really like, and this is how great Rab is at what he does. Remember when we did the uh, Gates Master reboot? He sold me on an Evercade. Yeah. That's, I bought an Evercade because of Rab's review of the Evercade on Games Master. Same. We both did. We, we both, both sat there just we, going, yeah, we need to get We said on the on the podcast, we're like, man, I need to buy one of these things. It sounds really good. He made me want to play this game. And I'm like Rab. I do not like this style of first-person shooter. He says, like, I don't like first-person shooters. Granted, like, Half-Life and games like that, that's a different kind of first-person shooter. I'm not a fan of this first-person shooter. And I'm not. I don't like Call of Duty. I don't like Battlefield. I don't like Medal of Honor. These, this is not my sort of game. I didn't like Counter-Strike, you know, even despite the fact that I had to fucking play it all the time because it was the only game that anyone wanted to play down at the uh, at, at internet cafes. But he did make me want to play this game. He really sold me on playing Battlefield 2. And it's not, the, the, you know, the Metacritic 91 out of 100 that sold me. It's, it's Rab's what sold me on it. It's specifically, it sold me on not even necessarily wanting to play Battlefield 2, but wanting to play an online game where you have that feeling of belonging to a larger team. He talks about it in detail here about, you know, you can be a lone wolf. You can go be a sniper, drive a tank, fly a helicopter, crash a helicopter. We see him do that. Mm. Or you can be part of a cohesive unit. You can be a medic. You can go. You can save people. You can rescue people. You can take orders, have a commander telling you where to go, what to do. You can be the commander. You can take the stress of that on. And I'm remembering some of my favourite first-person shooters I've played online. Uh, oddly enough, a later Battlefield game. Um, there was two. There was a free-to-play one, I want to say, on the Xbox 360 that had, like, planes and everything in it as well that was based around World War II Pacific Encounters. That was fun. But Battlefield Bad Company 2 Vietnam, because you had the soundtrack, the helicopters, but again, it was squad-based. And I liked that feeling of, okay, it was team versus team. It was player versus player. But yeah, someone had your back. And I think if I could find a game like that where I knew like I was part of a thing and I was playing with people and I knew that if I got shot someone would have my back I would probably play a lot more of those games mm -hmm. it wouldn't be my main gameplay style but this reminded me of what I used to love about some of those games I think I talked about it on an earlier episode playing some of the older Call of Duties back when it was still like the, the number in the series was literally and figuratively in single digits yeah Rab did an amazing job of selling me on this does use a word at one point that's kind of a slur yep but that, it, that was one of the comments that's left on the the video for on the, the youtube upload of this is like oh i guess we're just using that word are we in 2005 yeah you, you kind of were it was before the transformer scandal around the use of that word as well yeah it shouldn't have been used 
but people were still using it and people weren't being called on using it as much. No, that, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's not being called out for using it because you wouldn't have been called out for using it in 2005. The thing I was thinking about this review is he has this moment in here where he says, he talks about his daughter and bouncing her on his knee and in 20 years time, telling her what he did in the war. We're quite close to this being 20 years time. It's only two years away from this this episode being 20 years old. I wonder if Rab will tell his daughter. Hey, it's an Instagram story waiting to happen. He says the game has gold ribbon written all over it. It absolutely does. And so ends the proper review section of this episode, of the first episode of Series 2, with a gold ribbon. The first gold ribbon. Also the last. Hello and welcome to Consylvania's review of another code on the Nintendo DS. Let's look and see if this adventure game was worth the wait. And our last bit we have here is a review in air quotes. It's just meant to be a little creepy ending for this. It is. (laughs) Which is uh, Courtney Stewart, uh, who you may know as former NXT Women's Tag Team Champion and current WWE wrestler Isla Dawn reviewing another Code DS but a little glimmer of light comes out of the DS becomes a man in a top hat who snatches her and then we just sort of run through streets of Glasgow you know uh, suburban streets of Glasgow and then the creepy man in the hat closes the DS which says Consolvania on the message part of the screen it did take me the first review to realise that this is the character John Gacy yes yeah. Based on that. 2005 internet. There you go. It's weird when I look at the characters in this episode and I look at the characters where I'm like, oh, that's aged badly, that's aged worse. And I'm comparing things and I'm thinking, I never thought I'd be in a situation where I thought a character based on Hitler would be more acceptable. It's a very, very brief thing. It's an indicator that the character's back. I thought that the actual way that this was shot, the um, because I also think maybe that first bit was shot in reverse. Yeah. So actually the pan- what what appears on screen to us is a pull back and running down the stairs and then out into the road but travelling backwards I actually think was done the other way. It's I exactly. think it's, and it's then running, reversed. It's running forward and then at the end he jumps down out of frame as opposed to jumps up. Exactly. But at some point there is a split and a join and that's when they suddenly start running forward all the while back together by baby bird <laughs> is playing in the background. Bit of a tune. Oh my God, it was artistically, let's leave taste aside because we're going to have to. Artistically, this was beautiful. This was an amazingly shot and well put together moment to end the episode. And it was another of those moments of me going, I wish, characters aside, I could make some content like this. I also wish there was a licensing model that supported YouTubers and streamers and now just to go, yeah, I'd like to chuck some money down to use this song in a video. Yeah. Because there isn't. There still isn't. Licensing people still don't fully understand or care how the internet works. Yeah, we licensed uh, Gold by Spando Bally. Yeah. And that was relatively cheap for the the one use uh, that we we got out of it for, for one video. But it's a limited library choice. It's just that it just so happened that that was the song that we wanted to use anyway. And also, the, the guy who used it did not tell us that he was going to use it, so it was a nice surprise for all of us in the room when he played it out for the video. I would like to make content like this. 
This in my head, if I was to go under my own uh, power and my own steam, if I wasn't doing the job that I'm doing where I'm making content for, for my my day job, this is the sort of content I would be dreaming of making. Like This is the sort of content I'd be like, oh, I wish I'd, I had a group of friends that I could do this with. Same. or And time. Energy, space, and time. Uh, recently, there was a tweet from Mr. Biffo. Uh, he was uh, showing the last couple of days of filming of Digitizer Series 2. And there was a set there with a bunker door that he's been building. And it's been documented on social media. And I'm very excited about this bunker door. And it just made me look at it and go, if I ever live somewhere that has a garage with power, I'm building a standing set. I don't know what I'll film on it. But in my head, I know what it looks like. And I will have that standing set and I will work out what comes next then. Because I just want to have a space like the space we're in right now, where you know you can just come in and film and record. And I think the amount of content I produce would go through the roof because 90% of the fart arsing would not occur. <laughs> but the credits roll. All that licensed music is credited. We gave you credit. You were told. What more do you want? Luke, that was Consolvania Series 2, Episode 1. Questionable humour and character choices aside, what did you think? I loved this. I think it was great. And my knowledge of, of Consolvania, as we touched upon at the top of this, was just that word of mouth thing and seen bits and pieces here and there. Or I might have seen an episode on, you know, a drunken night because you get to that point of a, a, a night out or a, a night in rather in the mid to late 2000s where someone says, oh, I've got this funny thing online to show you. And then you watch the funny thing online. So I may have seen something like this there. But watching this episode, when it finished, my first thought was, you can see why this got as popular as it did and how they got a TV show. In the same way that if you watch the first few episodes of Angry Video Game Nerd, you're like, I get why this blew up. You watch those first few episodes of The Nostalgic, it's like, I get why this blew up. And you get like, I get why this becomes a popular thing. I get it, man. Like yeah. watching this and it, when it finished the episode of it, like you said, it just rolls into the next episode. You're like, cool. I could easily watch some more of this because it's weird. It's wacky. It's really funny. And Rab is, he's such an affable presence. Like, and, and you know, I know it's not just Rab. There's Ryan as well. Like as a double like they work together brilliantly. Rab is the person I gravitate towards. Maybe that is just because of the Games Master thing. But it I, probably is. It's the same with me. I'll openly say I gravitate towards Rab in a lot of this commentary because it's the person I have the mental connection with. Yeah. But he's great in this. Ryan's great in this as well. But like a Rab's review of Batman Begins is hysterically funny. I really love this and it made me very nostalgic for mid 2000s internet forum comedy questionable humor aside i can i can leave that where it is but i got a real kick out of this what did you make of it i loved it i absolutely loved it as an overall product i thought the pacing was superb i mean it's 34 minutes it doesn't feel it no it doesn't it clips along at a good old pace none of the sketches outstay their welcome in the terms of length again Mileage may vary depending on taste for the characters. It just works. It is, I'll be honest, it is, budgetary concerns aside, better than some of the stuff we talked about in the past month. I'm not going to point fingers because that's mean, but it is. It is, though. It, it, it has got way more passion than Gamesville has. But also, this is, a, this is something that they are producing on their own timeline and their own scale, exactly. rather than trying to fit in around studio days and make something that fits a very broad... I mean, that's the thing. 
if you are not a gamer, you will not like this show. Nope. This is this is specifically made for gaming audiences. If you do not know what Metal Gear Solid 3, and more specifically, if you do not know what Star Fox is, you will not find one of the best jokes in this episode funny. Yeah. And I think that is going to do it for this episode. Next week, we are sticking with Rab and Ryan because Consolvania became a legit TV show. We wanted to do Consolvania anyway because Rab is going to become a pivotal part of what we're going to be doing uh, later on when we do the Games Master reboot. So we wanted to look at the origins of, of Rab Florence. And the origins of Rab Florence lead to another TV project, which is basically Consolvania, but on an actual BBC TV show called Video Gaiden. Or Video Gaiden. And we're going to be doing two episodes of Video Gaiden for next week's one because they're only 15 minutes each. There was longer form stuff, but we're going to look at that earlier stuff because also it sits in the same time frame as this. We're in 2005. Video Gaiden is out there this year. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at that. That's going to be next week's episode. There is still more rap to come, in fact, outside of the Games Master reboot. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But that's next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You all rule. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter at underconsolepod, on Instagram at under.console, and you can send us an email to feedback at underconsultation.com. And if you want to chat with us in real time, chat with other listeners, other fans of movies, games, video, music, pop culture, old and new, you can do so over on our Discord. If you want to watch me making a tit of myself on the old Twitch channel, you can do so twitch.tv forward slash under console pod and you can support this podcast monetarily over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod also go and support console when you're on patreon as well at the five pound level you will get next week's episode one week early and ad free and if you're one of our 10 pound backers you get your name read out on this show like adam d adam warrington alexis andrew andy arcadia wild bill chris chrissy two sticks colin david palmer david white gordon aiken gordon brands gordon dempster harriet manga girl i am cheadle ian roberts Ian Williams, Jamie, Joe McGonagall, Joe Mitchell, Kevin, Kylie, Lawrence, Link, Mark, Maddie Boo, Misha, Nick, Phil Stopford, Retro Fun for Everyone, Reese, Rich Pemberton, Richard Downer, Richard Major, Sean, Selena, Simon, Super Sexy Dave Fisher, The Amazing Cliff, Tom Dylan McEvoy, Tom S, William Cottingham, Xanderthal, and Zach. We will see you in seven days' time for more Rab Florence. Take care, everyone. Good night. Fuck off, Batman. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.